Good evening, everyone. It is the next episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. Today is Thursday, Thursday, August 22nd. You are here with your hosts, Mark Hogan and Derek Randall. Derek, good to have you on here. Hey, good to hear from you, Mark. Awesome. So we got a fantastic jam-packed episode here tonight uh, covering the draft recap of the Jonda League. Really fun draft. Uh, I think it was probably one of the best drafts that the Jonda League has gone through. So we got a lot to recap. We're going to go through round by round, uh, talk about some values, talk about some players that maybe people reached on and who ended up in uh, formulating some of the best teams and you know, what some of our analysis is uh, overall from the draft here. So anything to add here, Derek, before we really get started? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to go through this draft board and see where everybody went and um, where the usual oddities were. <laughs> um, our draft has changed a lot over the past few years just because we're online now, not in a, a live draft room, which is kind of crazy. That's the biggest difference that I see over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hybrid, right? So like I would say the majority of folks were still drafting in the same room, right? You probably had, there was probably eight of the 12 that were doing it live. Well, we ran into some serious uh, issues. Uh, Jimmy's car, the commissioner's car got a flat and he couldn't make it down. Um, and Wait, then, really? Yeah. He got a flat like right before he was going to head down and his uh, car insurance company took, two and a half hours to tow him. So he wasn't able to come down for the draft. And then Dennison kind of backed out at the last minute because he had work stuff going on. So it ended up being like six of us, five of us. Oh, yeah, and Kuhar didn't show up. So I think it was six <laughs> of us. All right. Well, we still got half of the room live and then the other half online. Probably a good thing, right, where, you know, I feel like in some of the – at least the year that I was able to participate live, it was uh, – kind of a frenzy but also like took four hours or something ridiculous like that because of you know everyone kind of taking their time but yeah it was it was fun either way and I'd, I'd love to try and get everyone together at some point in the future and do it again so yeah I think I think we need to start making it like every you know two or three years three years is probably more realistic it has to be an all live draft you know we don't none of us get to see each other enough as it is and a live draft is just so much more fun. It is. It definitely is. Um, it, it, it takes longer, but it's it's also a, it's a good way to kind of get everyone together. And um, crazy things can happen. Crazy players can get picked in random rounds. And that always adds to the fun of it. Uh, if you can find a good venue to do it in. You know, I've always wanted to, at some point in the future, get one of my drafts going, like in a suite for – you know, like a baseball game or something like that. So, or a preseason football game. So um, that's the dream, but that would uh, be amazing. until, until then we still, still, still can keep, keep brainstorming here. So <laughs> I like it. Um, so just a recap of our league setup so that uh, for any listeners that aren't uh, in the league, but are listening for draft analysis, uh, our league is a 12 team league. It's a full PPR, two quarterbacks. So you'll, uh, understand or realize it's actually uh, a super flex. So not two quarterbacks, but a super flex. You don't have to start two, but uh, more often than not, that's the best strategy to go with unless you have a stud that you can start in that super flex spot. Um, three wide receivers. So just understand that quarterbacks go a little bit higher. 
And then the biggest change to this league this year was we added one keeper. So you would keep a single player that you had from last year in whatever round that you drafted them in this previous, the previous draft. Um, so just realize and understand that as we go through the draft board here, anything else to add to the overall setup there? Uh, no, I mean, this is, this is the first year that we've expanded to, so before it was a 16 round draft this year, we ditched the IR slot and turned it into an extra bench spot and then added one additional bench. So it is 18 rounds, which I thought that did wonders for our rosters. It makes them way more flexible um, it's advantageous to those of us who know how to draft correctly. Um, I like the change. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a good change. And um, there's a lot of guys that, you know, would have been really hot week one waiver wire pickups that I think people are going to reap the benefit of being able to draft those guys uh, in some of the last several rounds there. So uh, without further ado, let's, let's hop into to round one here. Um not really too many surprises here for pe- people who were drafted. Um, you know, I would say that Tackett, you know, he was able to get DeAndre Hopkins with his pick because he drafted Christian McCaffrey or kept Christian McCaffrey in the second round. Um, so because of that, Tackett was able to set himself up really, really well here uh, to kick off the draft. Yeah, there's not much better of a a start to a draft when you have the number one overall receiver as well as the top three running back locked down in the first two rounds. That just doesn't happen. So, yeah, he's very fortunate. Yeah, what do you think about um, – so Nate had Kamara. So that was basically the first player – or did he keep Kamara? No, I think he drafted he kept, him, right? He kept him. Oh, really? Okay. Um, did I Did I really have the second – the second pick then the actual second draft pick yes you did okay so how about we go with that what do you think about my Le'Veon Bell pick I was shocked really Um, I was stunned because there some analysts are all in on him and others are like not even coming near him um so I Lennon was like told everybody three weeks in advance he was taking Bell if Bell came to him I thought for sure you were going David Johnson. I was very surprised when you went Le'Veon Bell. So, like, the reason why I went with Le'Veon Bell over David Johnson was because of the fact that, you know, Sam Darnold is now in year two. Um, he showed room strides of improvement. He showed the, the, the fact that he could play to some degree. Uh, and from everything that I've seen and heard from this offseason, uh, the entire offense has, has done really well. And, 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 and from my understanding – Le'Veon Bell has developed a really good check down chemistry with Darnold. So um, because of the fact that, you know, Le'Veon Bell is a dual threat player, Uh, you're basically getting two players in one. He can run crisp routes out of the slot. Uh, He's a, he's a nightmare as far as lining up against a linebacker and running a, running a a slant route or a drag route. So, um, or even a little angle route. Uh, seven seven yards down the seam in the middle of the field. So um, I really feel good about Le'Veon Bell um, with his full PPR potential, considering this is a full PPR. And I think he's going to get plenty of touchdown potential. And I don't think his numbers get minimized if the Jets fall behind because of his role in the passing game. So that was really the reason for me going over uh, with Le'Veon Bell over David Johnson. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, we're also going to see Kyler Murray – 
Um, he's going to he's going to go through those rookie pains. And I, I feel like he's probably going to run the ball more than he should and end up not checking down as much to David Johnson. Additionally, I am not a fan of the Cardinals offensive line this year. Nope. It looked absolutely horrible this preseason. So feel much better about the Jets offensive line than the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily like the Jets O-line either, but the Cardinals is definitely worse. Um, and David Johnson, he hasn't looked to be the same player he was back when Bruce Arians ran the offense. I don't know if it was the wrist injury or if he's older now or if it's just a worse team in general that's slowing him down. Um, but the closer we got to the draft, the more nervous I would have been to make the pick of David Johnson. But um, – he is one of my favorite players in the league, maybe my favorite player. So I hope. Yeah. I had, I had um, a kind of a tough time with the receivers though. Uh, you know, for instance, Julio Jones, uh, who you ended up taking, I was really, I was really debating between Bell and Julio. Um, Michael Thomas as well. He was another one at your spot. Devonte Adams. Yes. I mean, nice. Um, I was considering all of those receivers over James Conner. But when I think about it, out of those three running backs that we just mentioned, who's got the best offensive line? It is James Conner. So um, it's going to be interesting to see out of those three running backs who ends up panning out to be the best. If If someone held a gun to my head and said, pick one, two, three, I feel like I would still go Bell, Connor, Johnson, the way that they got drafted. Um, but I could totally see Connor coming in first and Bell coming in second there. So I could see those two getting flip-flopped. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of on my do-not-draft list just because I, I don't want to take a risk like that in the first round like him. Um, I don't, I don't – where's the risk, though? I don't – I don't really understand the risk, in my opinion. He's on a new team. He has attitude problems. I mean, fuck, he held out last year. <laughs> so that's I mean, not really an attitude problem, though. It's more of a financial. It, it was it was a business move. Like at the end of the day, he wasn't getting paid, and he wasn't getting, or at least he wasn't getting paid the amount of money that he wanted. I wouldn't necessarily say that's an attitude problem, although I disagree with it personally. I would have came to some sort of deal with the Steelers given the um, situation that he was in and how fortunate he was to have that offensive line. But um, at the same time, like he's a true talent, but they've backed him up multiple times on his slip ups. I mean, he has, he's been suspended for drug issues before. So, I mean, and they've always had his back. So, yeah. I mean, from everything I've seen though, He's he's put his head down. He's done. He's put in the work. Like right, haven't heard anything about him since he signed with the Jets. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, so far so good in my opinion. Um, because of that, I didn't see as nearly as much of a risk, and I still think he's going to be used as a focal point in that offense, um, despite some of the friction with Gase when Gase first came in. But um, I feel good about him, and I think that. He's a two-for-one player, in my opinion. Um, what about you? Let's talk about Julio Jones a little bit here. Yeah. How do we feel about – so you picked Julio over guys like Kelsey, Juju, and Gurley. I mean, um, yeah, Todd Gurley, I don't want him. Um, I made that why? decision just because 
as a first round pick, no way. Um, his knees gave out last year. They've already said they're cutting back his workload. Uh, he's I mean, looked they, great in the camp, though. Like he hasn't skipped a beat, from my understanding. Exactly, from our understanding. I mean, we're not. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not a big believer in um, beat writers telling us the whole truth. They're there to support the team, and they're not really going to give us everything that they see out there. So I don't trust everything they say. Todd Gurley, he's got arthritis in both knees, right? Or is it just one? Oh, it was just one. So his, his surgically repaired knee. It's not nothing I want to deal with. All, se- all off-season long, all they've talked about is how they're limiting his workload this year. So Todd Gurley in the first round is no way. No, I mean, if you look at the ADP reports, he's dropping back. He's usually now at the end of the second round. I agree. I agree. Um, but he has for top five potential. Oh, absolutely. The potential is there. Um, so what happened with that trade? You had a trade with Jack, right? Yes. Okay. So, Julio, oh, by the way, Julio, I picked Julio. He was my third favorite receiver on the board behind Devontae, one, Hopkins, two, then Julio. That worked out well. Um, yeah. And I agree with that analysis. Like, in my opinion, DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in football. Absolutely. I don't think people give him enough credit. Uh, he makes one miraculous play after the other, and he is going to get one-one opportunities again because Will Fuller is back in the mix. We'll see how long Will Fuller can play it out, but uh, regardless, you know, he's going to get those looks. He's going to get the red zone looks, and at a full PPR, you know, the guy's getting like twelve targets a game. So right. Right. Yeah, actually, just a side note, I did a uh, 12-team PPR league um, a week before this, and Hopkins went 10th overall in that league. And I can see why, um, because you have all of these running backs, but I still, in my opinion, he's the first receiver off the board. Yeah, he he should Um, be. I mean, guys like uh, Todd Gurley was in the first ahead of him, and so was Joe Mixon. See, I would never take either of those guys over DeAndre. No way, no way. Um, you know, the, the one, you know, you talk about risk though, you talk about not risking it, um, on a guy like Gurley, but Julio Jones has had his own injury problems as well. Yeah. And you can't deny that. And he's had soft tissue injuries too. And his hamstrings, like there's gotta be a little bit of a concern there. No. I mean, last year he was healthy pretty much all year long. I don't think he missed a game last year and I don't know. There's, the upside with him is insane. He's the only receiver I can think of that could at any point have a 300-yard receiving game. We've seen him do it. It's insane. I mean, I don't do know. You think, do you think um, the it, his red zone looks are going to increase with um, Dirk Cutter back in the mix here as the offensive coordinator? It's never made sense to me why they went down. He's a big receiver. Um, I think it's Sarkeesian's fault. Y- yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really see why. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense to the game of football to not get the biggest guy the ball in the red zone. But that's what he did the last. Well, two you know, years. there was there was a, a a period of games. I don't. I think it was two seasons ago where they actually did try getting him the ball. It might have been last season where they almost. You know, people were chiming in about how he didn't score enough touchdowns or whatever. 
It was last year. It was year, almost yeah. like they were trying to force him the ball in the in the end zone, and he just didn't come up with it a lot. So, you know, maybe he can't get down those fade routes in the back of the end zone. I don't know. I mean, he's a great player. Like, I don't see how he can't do that. Um, but they've even tried it, and he hasn't necessarily converted on those plays at at, the, at a high clip like you think he would. Yeah, I mean. Maybe it's Matt Ryan, too. Matt Ryan, wasn't he the QB2 overall last year? I think he was. I think he was one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy last <laughs> Isn't year. Isn't that crazy? The guy that nobody remembers being QB2 last year. <laughs> He's like Philip Rivers. Like, those two guys, they fly under the radar every fantasy season when you draft. Um, and they end up always scoring big points. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean – being the wide receiver one on that offense, oh, my God, give it to me all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I love it. And Michael Thomas, nothing against him. I had them neck and neck. But there's something I just am concerned that the Saints want to ground and pound more than throw. Unlike, I think them and the Falcons are on opposite sides of that. Falcons want to throw. Saints want to run. But the question is, will they run? I think the concern, too, is the – Falcons wide receiver core is much stronger than the Saints, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have a guy like Ridley uh, opposite of Julio, like – Takes the attention off. Yeah, it takes the attention off of him. It opens up other plays. Like, it really opens up that offensive playbook. Traquan Smith, I mean, he is a good deep threat, but he is not as good as Calvin Ridley, and he's not going to open up the offense like Calvin Ridley can. So – um, you know, I think because of that, I, I think that's why I feel the same way. There's a little bit of a concern with Michael Thomas putting up the same exact amount of production as a guy like Adams or Julio Jones. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Julio's that guy who you could easily see being the number one receiver at the end of the year. But definitely Devontae and Hopkins have a much better chance of that. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's move on to the second round here. We talked about Todd Gurley a lot. Well, we talked. Um, you want me to explain that trade that went down? Yeah, let's, tell us about the trade real quick. I um, I would have had the second overall pick in the second round. I have a lot of targets in the third <laughs> round and in the middle of the second that I liked. So fortunately, Jack was trying to move up from the what would it, what was it like the sixth pick in. The second round. So basically, I sent him my pick in the second round for my pick in the second, my first overall pick in the fourth round, and then I think my 11th round pick for his pick in the second round to move back six spots or move back five spots, I think. And then I got his third round pick, and then he gave me his 10th round pick. Uh, That's a lot. Um, so it was like a blockbuster move of a bunch of different picks that no one knew about, but, um, unless you were like there, so. Right. Um, it, it literally happened, uh, 40 minutes before the draft. <laughs> I saw like a text saying that you guys made a trade and then I looked at the draft board and you guys were like, your guys' names were just like in all different random spots. And I'm like, what in the world? Like how, <laughs> how many people were involved in this? How many picks were involved? I still don't know even after you just explained it to me, but. <laughs> um, it was an interesting interesting trade. I feel like you don't see that a lot when it's just basically all picks, but um, it was an interesting move. I mean, I think 
I feel like Jack's plan was to just basically try and get the same team that he had last year. Oh, 100%. I mean, <laughs> he didn't say it out loud, but look at the guys he drafted. It's his yeah. team from last year. <laughs> it was obvious. When I saw him take Gurley, I was like, okay. Yep. I was like, I have a feeling I know what he's doing. So I was shocked. Um, I was shocked when he took him, but it made, I mean, he loves Gurley. So, so we, we did this last Sunday, right? Correct. Caleb taking Antonio Brown in the early second, um, I felt like was a little bit of a reach there. I loved the pick. I, I, I think he's going to be fine. I just felt like at that exact time, it was a slight reach given all of the drama with like everything with the helmet and everything else. Um, I think he's going to produce. Definitely. I don't think he's going to produce the same numbers that he did last year, though, or when he was with the Steelers. No way. No way. But they're going to force him the ball. They're going to create plays around him. So he's going to he's got a very high floor. Um, I, I think the thing is, he's one of five guys, five receivers on the board that you could see being number one overall. I mean, if they just force feed him the ball in Oakland, he could be that guy. I don't see it. I disagree. I don't see him being I don't see him having the upside of number one overall when you guys when you have guys in the same situations that are a very similar talent like DeAndre Hopkins and Julio and Thomas and Devontae Adams. Um I see him being better than Odell. Definitely. So you think um, he's like five overall? Because the both of them are in are with new teams. Odell has to compete with targets because there's other other guys that Mayfield can throw to. Um so I think Going back to the first round, I think that that was probably the worst pick of the first round with Odell or the worst keeper of the first round. Yep, shocked that um, it happened. But, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, I don't mind early second. Uh, I, I think it was just a little bit of a reach, but if Caleb wanted him, all the more power to him, knowing that he wasn't going to last till late third round. I honestly doubt that Caleb knew about anything that's happening with him. I doubt it. I doubt it. He probably just saw Antonio Brown from previous years and was like, "Oh wow, this guy is ridiculously good. Why is no one? Why is no one taking him so far?" Right, right. Um, moving on here, you got Mixon, you got Chubb, you got Cook, you got Devontae Freeman. Anyone stick out there to you? Devontae Freeman, man, I am so ticked at you because <laughs> Devontae Freeman's ADP is like middle of the third round, and that was. Half the reason I moved back and did what I did to get two third-rounders was to grab him. <laughs> and I was stunned that he went middle of the second round. But yeah, It was like late second, yeah. Yeah, it was – what was it, seventh pick in the in that round, eighth pick yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, the thing is you have to understand too, like, again, because there's keepers in this league, you got to understand that there's 11 or 12 players taken – most of them being first through third round talents. So Devontae Freeman in this league being drafted in the second is pretty much like Devontae Freeman being drafted in the middle of the third in a normal league. Yeah, so, yeah, kind of, kind of like an early third. That makes sense. You know, it looks like a reach when you look at it on paper, but in, in reality, it's, it's pretty much right where, where he was supposed to go. Um, and I, I personally am very high on Devontae Freeman. People get scared away because some of his past injuries and because he's older. 
Um, but for one season, Devontae Freeman, in my opinion, uh, especially with the departure of Tevin Coleman, he's going to get the looks. He's going to get the opportunities. If the guy can stay healthy, which all signs are pointing to, you know, him being fully healthy, this, this training camp, um, he could be really, really good this year. Like low end RB one potential. So I, I see mid, mid, uh, mid RB one. I, I think he's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, he does, he has the potential. Like, he's not going to be, you know, Kamara or Saquon or anyone like that, but he's the next best thing. So, um, I felt really good about him. I was surprised that um, Nick Chubb went ahead of him and Dalvin Cook. Um, not yeah. as much surprised about Dalvin Cook just because of his, you know, issues, uh, his injury issues. But I thought I thought Chubb was a little bit of a reach. Um, just because you're working off of, of a smaller sample size. But how do you feel about Chubb? Because you're the one that took him. Yeah, I, I love Nick Chubb. I honestly, he was number five on my running back board to me. I had him behind McCaffrey, Kamara, Zeke, Barkley, and that's it. Um, I, I love Nick Chubb. The Browns offense, it flowed through him last year. They can't not feed him the ball. Um, I think all the concerns – about Kareem Hunt coming back in week 10 are just completely blown out of proportion and unwarranted. I find it hysterical that people think that if a team's winning football games, that they're going to change what they're doing in week 10 to get another guy looks. I think that's nuts. Um, I, I love Nick Chubb. Dalvin Cook, you mentioned him. He was neck and neck for me, but I have Dalvin Cook in my other league. So I kind of wanted to differentiate a little bit here. I feel like you had him last year too, and he didn't really, he didn't really pan out for you that well last year, right? We Dalvin Cook and I have an interesting relationship. Uh, <laughs> I had him in all three of my leagues last year, and he was hurt almost the entire year. But in the first round of the fantasy playoffs in our Jonda League, Monday Night Football, Dalvin Cook catches the very last pass of the game that goes for like 12 yards. I remember that. I beat Nate by like 0.7 points. I remember that. So he, he, he came through when you, when you needed him the most. When I needed him the most. I was literally just sitting there chewing my fingers to death. Give it to Dalvin or give it to Diggs. And it, it happened. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. See, my, my thing is me being a Vikings fan, like I've been following this backfield very closely. And you don't draft another running back if you're not going to plan to get him a little bit of work. Madison's looked pretty good in the preseason. And believe it or not, if they if they keep Mike Boone on the roster, he has actually looked just as good as, as Madison. So, um, you know, I, I think I'm saying his name right. Madison. Mattison. Yeah, Madison. you're saying it right. Um, so my only thing about Dalvin Cook is because of some of his injury issues, um, especially them being like ham hamstring problems, I want to say. So um, another like soft tissue thing. I got yeah. a feeling that they're they're going to try and scale him a little bit and get those other guys in the mix as well. Um, yeah. Last year we had the uh, whole handcuff debate on who's the greatest handcuff in fantasy. Um, last year's TJ Yeldon. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but uh, this year it's Alexander Madison. And Lennon, so fucking proud of him. He drafted Madison in the 12th round, so he's got his handcuff to Dalvin Cook all year long. No matter if Dalvin Cook's healthy or not, Lennon has an RB1 on his hands. 
Um, I disagree. I don't think he's the best handcuff in fantasy. We'll talk about who I think is the best handcuff in fantasy as we progress, though. All right, all right. Uh, how about we look <laughs> at the third round? Anything stick out to you there? Well, real quick, second round, worst pick of the rounds, I think is Josh Jacobs by Nate. Um, I don't believe in Josh Jacobs, not as a player, but more so the team and the situation. Um, bad. The Raiders are looking good this preseason, though. Yeah, it's the preseason. And it, 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 and, and, and I'm, I'm setting aside the Hard Knocks uh, bias because every year Hard Knocks can hype teams up that aren't good. But, like, when you actually just watch the tape or watch these preseason games that they've played in, um, they've, in my opinion, they've, they've actually played very well. Um, although I, I really haven't seen anything out of Josh Jacobs specifically. So um, they've got a decent offensive line, from my understanding, from what I'm seeing. Um, but I agree. I don't know. I think Josh Jacobs' talent is not as good as he might have been hyped up to be when he was first drafted to the Raiders in April. No, and I, I can't understand why he keeps getting drafted so high because it's not like Jalen Richard isn't still the third down back. They still have him. Um, last year they brought in Doug Martin to be a goal line back and a change of pace, and he ended up starting by the end of the year. Now, I don't think he's going to start at any point, but I do think he's going to be mixed in a little bit. And they are facing really, really tough teams all year long. They have one of the hardest schedules in the league. They have one of the um, hardest rushing schedules, too. They're up against some seriously tough defensive lines. Yeah. And Nate even knew it, too. The second he made that pick, he exhaled like a man who knew he made a mistake. (laughs) <laughs> like he was there in person you're saying and he yeah just... he was there in person and he goes uh. <laughs> <laughs> i think we've all been there at some point in our fantasy careers though everyone's made that pick where they just the second they hit the button they're like why did i do that yep yep oh i, I felt it this year for sure i had a i had a weird draft um how do we feel about george kittle going early third I don't. I know his ADP backs it up, but nope. Yeah, his ADP does, but I'm not on board. No, I'm not on board with it either. Like, sample size is too small, man. Like, I I get Zach Ertz. That's a completely different thing. Um, but George Kittle with with Grappolo coming back, who doesn't really have like it's not like they have this amazing chemistry, you know, over a long tenure. Uh, to be drafting him over guys like, you know, Adam Thielen and you know, um, Amari Cooper or T.Y. Hilton or uh, Derrick Henry, for instance. Um, I just uh, – I, I think it, that's kind of questionable in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I'm really sorry, Andres, to do this too, but you had one of the worst drafts in our league. It's pretty bad. And George Kittle just in the third round, I mean, he dealt with his first-round pick, which is a huge mistake. What the hell are you thinking? And then he takes Joe Mixon over the likes of Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman. I mean, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then this, George Kittle in the third. I, I don't believe Kittle. I, I could see guys taken way later being ahead of Kittle by the end of the year. Hunter Henry, I could see him above him. I could see Evan yeah. Ingram above him. I could see uh, Vance McDonald even ahead of him. I mean, I'm not a big O.J. Howard believer because Cameron Braid's still there. But I mean, I, 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 well, that's one I was just going to bring that up. Like, 
I, I personally think OJ Howard in the fourth is actually a worse move than George Kittle in the third. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would rather have <laughs> Kittle than Howard and it's only a round later. So agreed. Um, but I, I agree. Like let's, you know, set aside everyone else in the draft. If someone told me I could take George Kittle, I just had to pick where I probably, when I look at the talent, like I probably wouldn't consider Kittle until the sixth. I, I've always been a guy who likes to stream tight ends. So, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. I would maybe, maybe the fifth, you know what I mean? Like it kind of depends who's still on the board, but there's no way I'm spending a third round pick on him when Andres had the options of Damian Williams, Chris Carson, Stefan Diggs, you know, the next three picks were those guys. Yeah. Do you think uh, Dennison went too early on Mahomes, or do you think that was kind of the sweet spot? Sweet spot for sure. First, I mean, that's first where Mah- pick of the fourth round. Yeah, isn't Mahomes going in the third in a one quarterback league, and somehow he makes it to the fourth in a two quarterback league? I I was stunned with this draft in the sense that I could not believe how long it took. Because in years past in this league, quarterbacks have gone in the first round because because yeah. of the two quarterback starting potential. So I was absolutely stunned seeing the first quarterback not come off the board until round four. Um, yeah. I mean, to give everybody some perspective on this, our third year of doing the John league, we uh, had just gotten 12 guys in the league, our first 12 team league and quarterbacks. I think we had seven go in the first round, which I don't think I was a part of that one, but um that's insane, like, even in a two-quarterback league. But that's how much, like, like normally every year there's at least one or two quarterbacks taken in the first round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in most – in one-quarterback leagues, I mean, if a guy goes in the first round, you're like, yeah, screw it, you know, um, that he can pick him there. But in a two-quarterback league, that's what's crazy about it is once one goes, it starts a run because there's only so many quarterbacks. Yep. So you're forced to just pick a bunch consecutively. So I, I was really hoping um, that somehow Mahomes would fall to me in the fourth um, because having a Mahomes-Tyreek Hill connection would have been just absolutely lethal. Um, but I didn't mind. I, I decided to just go with Sean Watson at the end of the fourth, and I felt pretty good about that. Um, this is where Jack had, had two picks in that round. I thought Chris Godwin was a reach in the middle of the fourth. And that's your guy. You love Godwin. I love Godwin, but I, I, I don't love him that much. Like, I love him. It's, it's all, it's, it's all relative. Like, it, it's all relative. It, it all depends on where you're talking about taking these guys. Like, you know, like I, I love Adam Thielen as a player, um, but I would never take him in the first round, right? Like, same thing with Godwin. Like, I'm, I'm very, like, it, it seemed kind of out of character in my eyes, to see Jack take Godwin, you know, mid-fourth. Yeah, and I I didn't agree with that. And his other pick was Brandon Cooks, and I think Cooks is overrated. Um, I, I didn't like either of those picks in that round. You have two early fourth-round picks to go with two guys that are mid- to low-end wide receiver twos. Um, I didn't really like it. Like, I – in that round, Edelman went between those two picks. I would rather have Edelman than either of those. Uh, 
uh, Robert Woods. I think I'd rather have Robert Woods than Brandon Cooks. Yeah, they're interchangeable to me. I think that Brandon Cooks will give you round four return at the end of the year. Um, my my problem with Cooks is he's not the most consistent player. Um, and the other problem with him is you have to remember Cooper Cup is back. And if Cooper Cup can yep. stay healthy throughout the entire year, um, you know, I, I think that that really eats into a lot of the production that Cooks received on a consistency level. So you're going to see just him be kind of up and down, in my opinion, throughout the year. Um, so I, I felt like I, in Jack's defense, when you look at the talent in the fourth and the fifth round, um, you know, it's kind of a weird point of the draft. Like, and this is in general with most drafts, I feel like that fourth, fifth round, like it's really, um, it's really kind of a, a little bit of a crapshoot there. Um, when I look at some of the players that, that, that come off the board. It it is. It's a weird spot in the draft where you're like, not sure what to do. And I felt myself when I was prepping for the round, because I don't have a fourth round pick, but I have a fifth rounder just sitting there looking at it. Like pretty glad I traded out of this round because it's kind of a toss up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I personally think like to everyone out there that's listening, when you're preparing for drafts, really prep yourself for that fourth, fifth, sixth round uh, spot there because that's in my personal opinion that's what's going to really make or break uh, your 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 draft because you're still drafting starters but it's it, it's pretty tricky when you look at the talent and compare them. Let's talk about some of the guys that we think are going to do the best between those three rounds. Um, how do we feel about Tyler Lockett with Jimmy's pick at the end of the fourth? I like Lockett a lot. He performed very well last year, and everybody seems to keep overlooking him. Um, and he's he's still the only receiver on that team. DK Metcalf. I don't is, I don't believe in DK Metcalf. Nope, I don't either. He didn't really do well in college. He can't catch. He just looks. He's like, got injury issues and, too, doesn't he? Yeah, he's already had a, a knee surgery. I think he didn't even. He hardly played in college. Like, I mean, he played, yep. but like he didn't. I don't even think he – did he get a full season under his belt at any one season? I, I have no idea. But I all I know is the guy looks better than what he is, and there's a reason that he wasn't drafted in the first round. He's a physical specimen, so I get it. I get the potential. But at what point does that translate to on-the-field performance? And I feel like we really didn't see a whole lot of that in college. And I'm personally just a believer and advocate in guys who can actually perform when they get out on the field versus metrics, um, uh, physical metrics, I should say. So uh, when I look at Tyler Lockett, I think Jimmy actually paired him up with Russell Wilson. I want to say he got Russell Wilson later on in the draft. Um, I think that was a really smart idea. Uh, Doug Baldwin came out earlier this offseason, probably say around July, literally said he thinks that Tyler Lockett could lead the league in receptions. I don't agree with that, but I do agree with the fact that Lockett is due for a ton of targets this year. A lot more. Agreed. It's still a run-heavy offense, but a lot more targets than he got last year, and he is going to shoot up that board. So someone at the end of the fourth round with, in my opinion, low-end low end wide receiver one production and a full PPR, Tyler Lockett's a fantastic play. And when you when you think about what he's already been doing this preseason – He's backing it up on the field this preseason as well. So um, I thought that was probably 
the best pick of the entire fourth round um, collectively when I look at everyone that was picked. See, I, I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best pick in that round. But, yes, I do agree that Lockett – I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to put up more points. I agree with that. Um, yeah, well, and I – I mean – But for where, where he took him at the end of the fourth um, and for what guys that were available, by far the best best player that you could grab in that spot. Agree to disagree. I do think he was a good pick. But I do think Patrick Mahomes was a steal. Who would you who would if you were in Jimmy's shoes, who would you have taken over Tyler Lockett in that spot? Nobody. Okay, that's 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 my point. Like okay. if Mahomes was in was available at that point, hundred oh, percent. Can I take that back? I would take Mark Ingram over Tyler Lockett. Okay, let's let's hear your case for Mark Ingram over Tyler Lockett. The Ravens are a run heavy offense. Uh, no more Camara to overshadow him. Even when he did have Camara, he produced like a what was it a high end RB two numbers. I think he's an absolute stud in a team that wants to do nothing but run the ball and has a good O line. So, so that's my problem precisely with the Ravens is they're they're a one dimensional team. They, they, their passing game, if if it doesn't take a huge leap from last year with Lamar Jackson at the at the helm, like. They're not going to be on the field that often. Um, your running game can only be so good without a passing game. You have to have both in the NFL to be successful. Uh, I think there's – Additionally, I don't think Mark Ingram's getting a full workload. Um, I personally think that Justice Hill has fantastic ability to change direction. Um, he's already made some great plays this preseason, and the Ravens have been ranting about him. I think Justin Hill cuts into Mark Ingram's production. They look at him as a player long-term, who you also have, um, who you got in the 14th round, which is insane value. Um, yep. But that is exactly why I don't think Mark Ingram is a better pick than Tyler Lockett because I think he shares a workload, and they're not on the field often. And when they fall behind, Mark Ingram isn't going to get all of those catches out of the backfield either. So I clearly love Justice Hill as well. Um, I think Justice Hill is this year's Alvin Kamara, which is hilarious because Mark Ingram will get himself another Alvin Kamara. But being a run-heavier team, I feel like they're going to use a lot of two running back sets, and there's going to be a ton of dump-offs. And what each of these guys, both Mark Ingram and Justice Hill, are able to do a ton in space. So – I think it's going to be great. I think Mark Ingram could put up phenomenal numbers. Getting drafted in the fifth round behind Philip Lindsay and James White is a travesty to me. Yep. Yeah, I would take Ingram over those two running backs. Um, but I, I would have taken Lockett over Ingram. All right. So let's, let's move on here a little bit. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Third round. You, you hinted on it. A while ago, I took Derrick Henry in the middle of the third round, dead center. And I was met in the room by resounding boos. Like, everyone in the room booed. That it was a I bad think pick? That it was a bad pick, which I – at the time, it made me feel horrible. <laughs> when everybody boos your pick, you're like, man, maybe I made a mistake. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, everybody in our, our league is just an idiot. They have the second-best offensive line, the Titans do, behind – the Cowboys, they got Roger Saffold from the Rams this year to add to an already amazing O-line. 
Derrick Henry was the number one running back the last five weeks of last year. And they learn when you feed the man the ball, they win games. So what do you think about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is an unsung hero in fantasy. No one talks about him, but uh, he single-handedly helped people progress into the fantasy playoffs last year uh, with some of those big games towards down the stretch in that, in the, in the fantasy season. So, um, you know, the, 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 I, th- I think people steer away from Derrick Henry in a full PPR because he doesn't have that, you know, 50 catch potential or whatever it might be, or 60 catch potential. Um, but for what he doesn't have on a full PPR level, what he does have is scoring ability. And what he does have is the ability to rack up yards and what he does have is the ability to get 25 attempts a game uh, or 20 to 25 t- attempts a game, which is right up there with the best running backs in the league. He's, he's getting fed just as much as, as the top guys. Um, I don't mind that pick at all. I think it's a good pick. And I think people are, are crazy to have booed you saying that it was a bad pick in the mid to late third round. I love it. I, I figured you would agree as a man who knows a lot about fantasy sports as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, cool. I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I feel better about Derrick Henry than Damian Williams. Yep. Yep, um, that's why I took him ahead of him. But I, I wouldn't mind if, if someone took Chris Carson over Derrick Henry because I think Carson's right there with Henry. At the time, I was I would not have agreed with you at all when the draft took place. But after seeing like this a week's gone by almost and Chris Carson is unquestioned the favorite running back yeah. in Seattle on a very run heavy Penny, team. Penny is turning out to really just disappoint and he's just he he, he he's he's a bust. Um I'm just Absolutely. gonna say it now. So um let's move on to the seventh round here. Um, and we'll, we'll flip actually, I know we're talking about a lot of, a lot about our teams, but I think we did have some really interesting picks here. Um, I, I was, I was really surprised that David Montgomery dropped all the way to the seventh round. I personally think David Montgomery is going to be one of the, um, best rookie running backs of the class, um, either RB one or RB two of the rookie running backs. And I think he can perform, outperform Tevin Coleman. I think he can outperform Sonny Michelle. Uh, Tariq Cohen, and I think he's up right up there with Mark Ingram's status. I will let you speak on him because I had never heard of the guy really? until fantasy season started. I have no idea who he is, what he did in college, and I, I just I know nothing about him. So I wasn't going to draft him just because of that. But all the ADP reports I'm seeing, he's going in like the fourth, fifth. So to get him in the seventh seems like an absolute bargain. Absolute bargain. He is the, the Bears have been ranting and raving about him since they drafted him, and he has looked fantastic throughout camp. He looked great in the preseason games. They shut him down after the second uh, week of preseason games for them because they already named him the unquestioned starter. That's how much faith they have in this guy, this rookie running back. He has earned that much praise that he is already the bona fide RB1 of that team. He's basically taking what Jordan's How- Jordan Howard's share was, and they've already came out and said that he'll likely have a, a larger role than Jordan Howard did with the Bears. Um, so to get him in the seventh round, in my opinion, is an absolute steal, and he's a nice uh, super flex option. Yeah, and I'm thinking the reason you got him, 
so late is because of, you know, even me, I, I pride myself on knowing a ton about fantasy football. I hardly know anything about the guy. So just thinking about the people in our league, I'm guessing the reason he fell is because nobody had heard of him before. Yeah. So um, I was, I was really shocked with that. And um, just, just kind of highlighting one shocking move that I saw. I was really surprised that Lamar Jackson went in the seventh round to Jack. Yeah. And not to mention the round before in the sixth, Jack took Kyler Murray. So he took two very, 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 very low floor, high upside quarterbacks to lead his team. And which, he took Garoppolo in the ninth. Yeah. Like, and he, after the draft was over, he said that that's his biggest problem with his team is he doesn't have a real quarterback. And it is. Like, his quarterbacks, oh, my God, I, I can't think of a worse pairing than those two. You need You have no stability there. Like, I, I really hope, like, for his sake, that Kyler Murray can live up to the hype because I, I think that Kyler Murray's a good player. I'm really worried about that offensive line, though. The, like, if they, don't, if they don't make some strides here over these next couple of weeks, Kyler Murray could be in for a very, very long season. Um, yeah. And you got Lamar Jackson and Jimmy Garoppolo as your two and your three. Um I don't feel really great about any of them. I feel the best about Lamar um, out of those three. Agreed. Yeah. So. Garoppolo's looked absolutely horrible in not only in practice, but in the preseason. So, which I, I can't understand like what, what's going on. He must be scared since he tore his ACL. I, he's been, I think he's just been out of it for so long. I think he's going to, it's going to come around for him, but like he was also overhyped. You got to remember like, People looked at Garoppolo, and because of that string of games that they won when he got traded to them, everyone saw him as the savior, bona fide top ten quarterback in the league. Um, he's not that good. Like newsflash, people, he's not that good. He's he is um, he is slightly worse than Kirk Cousins in my opinion, and Kirk Cousins is not that good either. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm I, I was very surprised seeing Garoppolo going in the ninth there. Um, but you know who you stole from me that I was really upset about was Austin Eakler. <laughs> he, oh man, I mean, I, he, he is an RB one if Melvin yep. Gordon is not here. Yeah. Um, I don't understand people, by the way, thank you, Nate. When you listen to this, I sat there at the eighth round. I was like, man, I don't know who to pick is what I said out loud as I was looking through the list. And Nate goes, he starts reading off names. He goes, uh, you know, like Marvin Jones is there, uh, Eckler. And I was like, ooh, Nate, you struck gold for me. Eckler it is. Uh, I mean, how, how do people not handcuff their running backs? Seriously? So Carl takes Melvin Gordon in the second round, third pick in the second round, and doesn't have the, the mind to handcuff Eckler? Are you kidding me? Like, when will people learn? Jimmy didn't handcuff Ezekiel Elliott. What are you thinking? Like these guys could hold out and then your first and second round picks are now worthless. I'm looking at Carl's draft. Like if Carl took Eckler in the sixth, I wouldn't even bat not like I would totally be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Eckler in the sixth, like because he has Gordon in the second and you know, Eckler, if, if Gordon does sit out, you know, he's got his insurance in the sixth round and he's got the guy that's going to produce one way or the other um, over Tariq Cohen. 
So yeah, um, that was I was baffled that like I I was I really wish you didn't take him because that's who I was going to take in the eighth round if he drop if he somehow dropped to me, um, and it, it was getting really close, like very close because Caleb was also in there, and I know Caleb wasn't looking at him because Caleb. He's always on a different wavelength than everyone else on these graphs. <laughs> and that's on the that's on a he's just very contrarian with his picks like all the time. So like I had a feeling that he he was nowhere on his radar. Um I, I thought I had a really strong chance of getting him if you didn't take him and you did. Um so kudos to you, but that was that I thought that was a steal in the eighth. Let's yeah. move on here. Um well, let, let's talk about once you get to the seventh round, this is where the good teams differentiate themselves from the terrible teams. Yeah. You know, this is where the research really comes into play. Um, and and it, it's easy to see. I mean, people are taking, well, okay. So this is where Caleb decides to take his second tight end. So Caleb has Evan Ingram in the sixth, and then Vance McDonald in the seventh. Can't figure that one out. Um and then there were some shocking moves, like Nate took Sony Michelle in the sixth round. I don't get that. New England's got way too many running backs. I don't know why you reached there. And Tackett took Dak Prescott over Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, you know, all these guys. I don't get that. Um, and then even Dennison surprised me by taking D.B. Westbrook in the seventh when D.J. Chark is the guy to own in Jacksonville, not D.B. So I felt like no one really lost here because everyone just drafted horribly from like round seven through 10. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, feel like I, I, I personally, I'm, I was upset when I went tight ends back to back in the ninth and the 10th. Like I went Ebron in the ninth and I didn't even, I didn't like that pick. Like I picked him and I was like, why did I pick him? And then I was like, okay, I need to cover myself let me just take Delaney Walker in the 10th. And I was like, wait, why the hell did I do that too? So, but then I look at everyone else's draft between those rounds too. And it was like, like the, the only picks that look good are the keepers in those rounds. Right. Like yeah. And Cooper cup. That was that Lennon was able to keep in the eighth. You had, um, carry on, carry on Johnson that Dennison was able to keep in the eighth. But outside of that, I mean, you just had a string of bad picks, like one after the other. I did like Geis. I felt like I felt good about Geis at the end of the eighth, but like for what was left there, the running back position, definitely for what was left, I guess. But like, you know, like everyone else in these rounds, it was. Um, I liked I liked Dennison's pick at the end of the ninth with Gordon. I felt like at that point. Um, is worth the risk because if he does play a full season, you know he's going to produce and put up good numbers. That that that's a big if. Um, but Huge. your 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 draft isn't ruined if you're if you're out of an of your late ninth round pick either. So especially with the other players that people were taking in those rounds. What's that, Dirk? All right, Derek. All right. All right. 
see I'll what happens. This. <laughs> Hopefully it does. Yeah, this is getting. All right, I think we're in business. All right, 15 seconds in, fingers crossed. All right, let's do this. So uh, we left off rounds seven through 10. We pretty much got through most of those. Um, I think there was one thing that you wanted to hit on, though. Uh, was it Bears wide receivers? Yes. Yeah, I was talking about my pick of Allen Robinson in the seventh, which is a lot later than his ADP. So I felt it was okay to pick him there. I didn't like him last year. But when he's that late, and considering the other receivers around him, I like the pick. What's your take? Um, I've, I've just never been a fan of Allen Robinson personally. Um, I've never felt he was actually that good. And the Bears are going to do a lot of the same that they did last year where they're going to spread the ball around and they're going to run the ball a lot. So I just don't really trust any of the Bears wide receivers on a consistent week-to-week basis. Um, I, I just see him more as a, um occasional flex play or fill-in here and there in that wide, re- wide receiver three spot. So I don't mind it. Um, it's just not the direction I would go personally. That's fair. I just felt with the receivers left in the area, you know, um, that's where Marvin Jones went. Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Anthony Miller, Christian Kirk, Corey Davis. Um, he, he would be my second, my, uh, maybe him and Sterling Shepard, I would say right in line with each other. And otherwise, I don't really see anything else around there. I mean, it, this like we were talking about before, it's just kind of a minefield between yeah. like these, some of these rounds with a lot of these players. So, um, and I think that's why I ended up in the ninth and 10th, just, going back to back with tight ends and just feeling good about that spot between those two. Um, I understand that Eric Ebron in the ninth is personally, I think a reach um, just because I, I do think he will regress on the touchdowns, but I mean, he, I think he caught 13 touchdowns last year, even if he catches eight this year and goes for the same amount of yards that he did last year, that's still a success in the ninth round for your tight end spot. So um, I don't feel terrible about it. Um, one thing I, I was going to ask you about was some of these other running back moves. We had, you had Royce Freeman in, in the yes. end of the ninth. Um, and Daryl Henderson went to Kuhar. I understand that was more of an auto draft move, but, um, you know, what, did, what do you think about some of these running backs? Royce Freeman, Jalen Samuels in the 11th. Rashad Penny in the 10th, Darrell Henderson in the 11th. How do we feel about all that? Uh, Darrell Henderson could be absolutely huge if Todd Gurley goes down. I'm hearing that he has a role weekly, change of pace role, where he'll get 9 to 12 touches weekly. Who knows if that'll actually happen. I'm just glad that Jack didn't grab his own handcuff. I don't know. Once again, I'm a firm believer in handcuffing. I don't know how you don't grab Todd Gurley's handcuff. So I think that was a mistake. Um, Andres, the round prior, took Rashad Penny. As you'll see in this draft, Andres took a lot of backup running backs. I don't know if he has a single primary running back on his team besides Joe Mixon. Yeah, I'm, I, um, the more and more that I look at Andres' draft, I might actually deem his draft as the worst out of everyone's. It's very close. Um, I, I think he might, I think it might be him. 
Uh, we'll, we'll we'll determine that in a, a few more minutes here, but I, I think he might have the worst team. So yeah, I mean that that range you just spoke about ten eleven. He took Samuels. Uh, good yeah. luck getting touches there. Jimmy takes Ito Smith, the backup to Devonta Freeman, which I don't understand that. Why do you? Why would he ever want the backup to your running back? Um, well, I think his his thought process is probably he feels different than me. He probably thinks that Devonte Freeman will get hurt, and if so, you know, Ito Smith will have you know touches. I just don't think he's gonna. I don't think Devontae Freeman. I think I think he's going to hold up this year. I really do. So yeah, and that's a gamble to hold a backup of somebody else's running that high of a round at least. If you took him yeah. in the thirteenth or fourteenth, that's diff- that's a different story. But Absolutely. If you take him in the tenth, you're talking about a fringe starter on your team. So um, right. And in the same token, uh, Nate took Latavius Murray, the backup to Kamara there, which that's a perfect spot. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think Latavius Murray is going to have, like, I I like that move. Latavius Murray is going to have a similar role to Ingram, not as big of a role, but he's going to vulture touchdowns. Um, He's going to get that goal line work, and he's going to get some change of pace uh, carries. So um, I think that's actually a decent, decent value at the, what is that, beginning of the 10th? Yeah, beginning of the 10th. So I think that's pretty good there. Um, yeah, I took the Bears defense in round 11. I don't feel terrible about it. I feel like if you're going to trust one defense, the Bears is probably the one to trust. Um, yep. So I felt good about that. And then my favorite pick in the draft, which I was so upset that he took him. I was literally going to take him that following round. I should have reached and just grabbed him instead of the Bears. But Darwin Thompson to Denison. At the end of the 11th, I personally think that Darwin Thompson is going to steal the role from Damian Williams, and Darwin Thompson is going to be like a better version of the Kareem Hunt blow-up that we saw with the Chiefs just recently. Um, I think Darwin Thompson is going to be really, really good. The guy can pass block as a rookie. He can catch balls out of the backfield. He's shifty. He's quick. He can, he's, he's got great ball, ball carrier vision. Um, he's everything that uh, Andy Reid is looking for in running backs, and I think he is going to be the best value in this entire draft. Well, I do agree that I think he's going to take the role from Damian Williams this year. Um, I don't think it's going to be immediate. I think it'll be about week six when it happens. Um, I do not think he'll be better than Kareem Hunt, but I do think he's going to ball out and be a beast. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to finish borderline top ten in running back scoring this year. Like he's going to finish like RB ten. Wow! So you think he's going to have a hell of a year? Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. I mean, um, we've seen this before. We saw this when Kareem Hunt. Um, we see this every was, year with guys. It yeah. happens every year with rookie running backs. Um, and I think well, he's the I'm guy. talking the Chiefs in particular. The Chiefs do it like every other year. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and they have such a dynamic offense that, you know, if he is if he continues to be the player that he's shown in preseason and in camp um, and in practice, like, he is going to do it and he's going to get the looks and he's going to 
defenses can't key in on him because they have to key in on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So um, I think the potential is there. I think it could happen. And uh, on the other hand, I don't think Kalen Bellage, the very next pick that he took, uh, is going to really do anything. Um, Mr. Irrelevant from our draft last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think Bellage would be okay, but I don't think he's going to be anything special. So. Yeah, I think that Miami Dolphins backfield is going to be a 50-50 split, and you're not going to want either of them. Yeah, he's, he's going to be like one of those guys that get like seven carries for 40 yards a game and occasionally a touchdown every three. Yep, and then Kenyon Drake gets the other seven, and then they each get – Kenyon gets five catches a game, and Kalen gets two. Exactly, yep. Yep. So um, – as we progress here, I think we should really wrap things up, but um, we'll kind of speed through some of these these last several rounds here. Um, anything that stuck out to you? Any picks that you missed out on or you thought were really good picks here? Uh, in these later rounds, I, at the time, thought it was a really bad pick until he explained it. In the 13th round, Jack took Kareem Hunt, and he said afterwards, he said, this is my keeper next year, which makes sense to me. Kareem Hunt, 13th round. He's on a one-year deal with the Browns, I believe, so he could be a starting running back next year. We'll see. I think that's aggressive. Um, A lot can happen in one year. Right. So um, to kind of just bank on him, I I, I like the late-round flyer. I think it's always a good move to, you know, go big or go home in these late rounds. Um, But – I, 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 I don't really see that. I, I, I don't see it. Um, I don't know if he gets a bona fide starting gig again uh, moving forward. So, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I think Kareem Hunt, in my opinion, Kareem Hunt was more of a product. He was a good player. Don't get me wrong. But more of a product of a very dynamic offense in Kansas City. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I believe that running backs are – only as valuable as their offensive line and their offensive scheme. Yep. I think um, there are some interesting picks around this, this time frame, though. Adrian Peterson in the 13th round. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to get Adrian Peterson as well uh, to pair with Geis and just see which one of those two panned out. Um, I feel like Adrian Peterson, he has like one season where he just goes off and then the next season he gets hurt. And then the following season he goes off and the next season he gets hurt. I just feel like that's this, this year is that season where he gets hurt. Um, He's already banged up in camp. He's old. We'll see what happens. Um, If he can stay healthy, I think he's the number one running back and he puts up some similar numbers to last year, which definitely gets you that 13th round return now. Yeah. I mean, that Redskins backfield, hell, that whole team, you don't really want a piece of. I mean, it, I think it's going to be split three ways there between Thompson on third downs and then uh, Geis and AP. AP on the goal line for sure. It's just not something I want to mess with. But in the 13th round, like you said, why not? It's worth the fire. Um, I, I think Justice Hill is my second favorite value pick that you – in the 14th, um, right behind Darwin Thompson. Um, and Kiel Harry, I was high on, not high on, but I liked um, until Gordon came back. So him in the 14th, not a huge fan. I think Paris Campbell's got the upside for a 14th round pick. 
if he can get healthy and get practice reps in. Like Paris Campbell, he's not going to do anything the first half of the season. He's a guy that, you know, could catch fire though come week 10. So, um, yeah. Marquise Brown, I mean, I have no idea about Marquise Brown. That's the one guy that I don't know much about besides the fact that he has a relation to Antonio Brown and that he's shifty and quick and could be a good potential matching with Lamar Jackson if they just decide to play backyard football and, you know, run around outside of the pocket and and have expanded plays that they can connect on. So that's kind of how I see Marquise Brown working out. Um, Devin Singletary, he's an interesting pick for Denison. Denison got a lot of really high-yielding, high-risk, high-yielding players. So we're going to see how his team pans out. Um, yeah. What else do you see here? Uh, I took Tony Pollard in the 16th round. Yep. I was just looking if, at that. If Zeke holds out, I mean, I just locked up another RB1. And it's what's the risk in the 16th round? And it's also a way to say, you know, fuck you, Jimmy. You need to pay attention to what you're doing. Why would you not handcuff Ezekiel Elliott? That blows my mind, especially that late. No one takes him. Why not? Um, what, what's your thought on, on not handcuffing these holdout running backs? Um, so, like, I'm not as big on handcuffing if, they're, if like, the guys are healthy and whatever. Um, but I am big on it when you have these holdouts that have lasted this long. You know, it's not like we drafted August 1st. We drafted on August 17th or whatever that was. So, you know, when these guys aren't in camp yet by August 17th, and they're – I mean, I will say news came out about Zeke getting the offer today about an offer that was less than Gurley's but more than Le'Veon Bell. So I think that's making progress. Like, if I had to bet, I think Zeke comes back and Gordon stays out. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the time on Sunday, there was, you know, it, it was going the other direction. So who knows where it could be a week from now. Um, so to get Pollard in the 16th, he's looked really, really good, like, really good this preseason as well uh, behind one of the best offensive lines in football. If Zeke for some reason is out with a 16 round pick, you potentially have a guy that could return RB one potential um, for every week that he plays. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I do think Zeke, I think the Cowboys get it done with Zeke. Um, but I think Eakler for sure is going to be that guy. And each of those rounds, you took those guys before I was going to take them. I don't know if you noticed, but I panicked because I was pretty much locked in on Pollard in the 16th. I really thought I was going to get him. <laughs> and so by the time – and then, like, everyone else right after you picked Pollard picked their players, like, immediately. So, like, my pick came up, like, 10 seconds after yours. And I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit. I, I don't have a third quarterback. Let me just take Daniel Jones. And I was like, I picked him. <laughs> it was like, one of the, again, another one of those picks where you're just like, oh, um, so I already dropped him and picked up a player. I picked up Hunter Renfro. <laughs> um, I think Hunter Renfro is actually going to be that shifty kind of Cole Beasley player for the Raiders. Um, and then I also picked up Randall Cobb and dropped Ryquell Armstead for him too. So, Who's Ryquell Armstead? He's the backup for the Jags. Um, there was a okay. little bit of hype on him and OTA and um, when the draft happened, but um, – 
so far in, in preseason and camp, he really hasn't looked fantastic. I think he's been hurt a little bit. He got, he got a concussion. Um, and so it looks like – I forget who is in front of him, but he might not even be the RB2. He might be the third running back now. So um, he had potential, but it doesn't look like he's going to be in the mix here anytime soon. Right, right. Well – I would still, if I had Leonard Fournette, I'd want to handcuff him. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I think also, Leonard, Leonard Fournette is a player that you can certainly make the argument for that you should handcuff because he just constantly has that hamstring problem, and that doesn't seem like it's going away. So, um, just looking at this, though, I think that's really it for the players that we covered. Um, kudos to Jimmy again for taking a ridiculous player. At the end of the uh, draft again, and Christian Wade, um, the rugby guy for the Bills that made that touchdown run. Um, and I like your pick in Nicole Hardman. If for some reason anything happened to Tyreek Hill, um, and even if it doesn't, he still might carve out a bigger role than Sammy Watkins. So, right. Um, Sammy Watkins like Hardman is an 18th. Yeah. What's that? I said uh, Sammy Watkins isn't that good. So he could easily be passed. Mm, I think he's good. I just think he um, he's a shell of him, his former self now uh, because of maybe, his foot injuries. Maybe it's just a poor fit or something. Like, he doesn't seem good in that offense. I mean, you can only touch the ball so much when you have that many good players in the offense, though. Like, the, the game plan is Mahomes to Hill and Kelsey and the running game. Like... You're, he's already automatically the third wide receiver, and if there's any other good wide receivers in that receiver group, like he's going to get lost in the shuffle. So um, he just doesn't have a prominent role in that offense. But he, yeah. yes, he's got some touchdown potential. So, um, And then the last guy, Debo Samuel, that Tackett took in the very last pick. Um, don't mind that. There, there could be some upside there as well. He looks pretty quick. He made a nice little preseason touchdown run, um, I think, the other day or last night or something. So um, he's an interesting pick as your very last pick of the draft. Yeah, I like Debo. I think he could pass Marquise Goodwin on that depth chart, who comically went one pick before him in our fantasy draft. <laughs> yep, but, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a good draft overall. How about we just to wrap it up here, we'll list one player that or one team that we thought had the best draft and talk that out a little bit and then maybe a team that had the worst draft. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead with my best, maybe not the best overall, but the most improved player in our league this year draft wise is Lennon. He made consistently level-headed decisions when he drafted the whole way down and they made a lot of sense and he shocked me the way he did it like I couldn't believe it when he took Dalvin Cook great pick and then got the handcuff for him in the 12th round and then like look all the way down this draft board I mean he's drafting quality players in the middle to deep rounds I mean he took Robbie Anderson the seventh uh, Geronimo Allison in the 10th, and then you got Sanu in the 16th. These are all guys that could perform, but he's finding in spots where guys are drafting terribly. So I'm impressed. Lennon has never drafted well. He's usually been a bottom feeder in our league, but I think this is the year that that changes. 
Yeah, I think his team looks pretty good. The one the one um, gripe I have about his team, um, you know, taking uh, O.J. Howard in the fourth, that really kind of, you know, made my decision to uh, actually go with uh, Dennison. So um, I think Dennison had a little bit of a contrarian uh, selection of picks, but I also think that uh, overall he's got a lot of high potential. I think that people overlook Chris Carson in a full PPR because, you know, they think that he's not going to get the catches, but believe it or not, um, they want to work Carson into the passing game a little bit more because they just don't trust Penny anymore. So um, I think Carson is going to be a really sneaky running back that he got in the third. Um, you know, he's also got Juju. He's got Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Manuel Sanders is another sneaky player that – on the, on the surface, sounds a little bit ugly, but, you know, he's he's looking good in preseason. He looks like the same but, um, player, and he seems to have built chemistry with Flacco. Um, and he's got really, really nice nice value, you know, going mid to late into the draft with Carrion Johnson uh, on top of that Darwin Thompson. Again, one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. Uh, and even Singletary with the Ravens defense. And even getting Cole Beasley at the end of the draft, I feel like, uh, there's value to be had there too. So, um, but didn't pick myself. I'd have to go with Dennison here. All right. What about your worst? Who you uh, who you calling out here? Oh man, um, it's got to be between uh, it's got to be between Caleb or Andres. Uh, really, no surprise. No surprise there. <laughs> um, if I if I'm just looking at the difference in their teams, um, I might actually have to deem Andres as having the worst team uh, over Caleb <laughs> just because wow. um, I think, I think Caleb actually um, like Caleb, Caleb's got some good picks. He's got some awful picks, but like overall the top end of his draft looks a little bit better than Andres's top end. Um, so I got to go with Andres as the worst team here. Not really sure what he was doing between rounds uh, I mean, between the entire draft, but really between rounds uh, seven through uh, <laughs> roughly round seven through the rest of the draft. So round <laughs> seven through 18. I don't know what Andres did here. So, I mean, Andres fanboyed the whole way. I mean, keeping Odell Beckham in the first round is a total hype, hype selection. And then Baker Mayfield was the uh, fourth quarterback off the board. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? His ADP is actually roughly around there, which is just insane to me to think about. But yeah, that's horrible. He Baker should be behind. So guys who went after Baker that should be ahead of him: Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, uh, Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz. I think Aaron Rodgers went behind Baker. Uh, he went two picks ahead of him. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Russell Wilson <laughs> should be going ahead of him. Uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Baker is in the mix there, but he's at the lower end of that mix of names, like when it comes to fantasy. So, yeah, um, don't get me wrong. I think Baker's a good quarterback. I thought he was going to be great going into the league. Um, I think he's going to take another step forward this year. But is he going to provide QB four production on the year? Um, I don't think so. So I think he could be top ten, but I don't see him top five. No, not at all. I think 
the Browns are way overhyped. And uh, I'm going to call it week one. They face the Titans. I think the Titans win that game. Wow. Is it in Tennessee or in Cleveland? Uh, I'm honestly not sure. Um, I think that has a huge impact. I think if it's in Cleveland, I think Cleveland pulls it out. But if it's in Tennessee, I can totally see Cleveland going in and getting shocked week one. Yeah, I think the the Browns are the most overhyped team this season, and I think the Titans are one of the most overlooked teams this season. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so I, I think that here. Uh, well, I gotta call. I gotta call out my worst draft. Okay. Oh, I thought you did. No, I thought you agree with Andres. Okay. Uh, I mean that's easy to agree with, but <laughs> to go another direction, I'm gonna call Jimmy's draft out. Wow, okay. I looked at his team the other day to make a trade because he needs Pollard, obviously. And I scrolled to his bench, and I looked at his bench, and it is he has the shallowest team in the entire league. His bench is all trash. Like, I couldn't get over the fact of what I was looking at. They were just – like, look at his draft and some of these late picks. I mean, obviously, Christian Wade's poor. But then it's you, – you just have all these guys that don't belong on a team. Ty Montgomery, um, Trey Clark I don't mind Smith. that pick. You like Ty Montgomery? In the 16th round? Yeah, you like that? Yeah. He's, you like uh, that? Yeah, Kirk. Um, he <laughs> he is – Le'Veon Bell's backup, and he's looked really good this preseason. All right. Well, we've uh, been there before with Ty Montgomery. So, Austin Hooper. I personally think that if Bell got hurt, Montgomery is a guy that you can put in your starting lineup. Interesting. I don't see him handling the full workload, but it's for another day. He's a, uh, a full PPR in a full PPR. Like again, we're in a we're playing a full PPR in in this format. I would be comfortable putting him in the starting lineup. All right. Well, then I'm going to go with the fact as well that Jimmy's also collecting other teams' backup running backs, which I once again I don't understand. Like I, I mean, I think I think we all see his logic. Like he's just trying to hoard people's handcuffs and hope that and hope somebody gets hurt. Get hurt. <laughs> um, so it's just unethical in fantasy, just unethical of a commissioner among other, other unethical practices that he participates in from my understanding or from what I've heard. From yeah. So I guess that's kind of like a, a point we got to call out too. Uh, for those of you listening that are not a part of our fantasy football league or those that weren't there and were not aware the second year in a row, Kuhar missed the draft after being warned and reminded weeks and weeks in advance. And then like every five days leading up to it. And he still misses our fucking draft. Uh, so he's got to be kicked out. But in the process of all this, we find out an hour before that he's not going to be there. And we all tell the commissioner, okay, everyone in the room, there's, there's seven of us in the room tell him, we think he should be drafted kickers and defenses first and then whatever shit there is left until he fills his roster, but it doesn't have to be the best players. Or, you know, worst case scenario, we find somebody to fill it real quick or we put him on auto draft. Well, the commissioner just decided to dictate everything to himself and handpick who went on his team the whole way down the board, which – is totally collusion 100 percent disagree with that decision for him to dictate and decide to do that um i'm also salty about the fact that kuar's got a competitive team and 
once he realizes it, then text the group chat like he thinks he's still participating. Uh, still needs some clarification on that because he should not be. So there's well, a lot I, of things I, to I'll, be I'll say out. this. If, if Kuhar pays, if he pays his dues, I'm cool with it, man. Like, <laughs> if he pays his dues and he's the one, as long as Jimmy is not managing his team, and as long as Kuhar pays the entry fee, I have no problem with it. He just got he, – he, someone else hand-selected his team. And for the most part, it sounds like Jimmy auto-drafted or at least took the top player. It sounds like there was a couple rounds where he didn't take the top player but filled a position that he didn't have yet, um, which I think that's a little sketchy or whatever. But at the same time, if Kuar pays the entry fee and if he is the one managing his own team, I have no problem with it. I don't know, man. Um Maybe. I have no problem with it for this year. Okay, if, there, you there. know, if like as long as it's not a precedent for it to happen again, like I understand in the circumstances, it was just, you know, it was a shit show and it is what it is. But um, he's never coming back. Yeah, he's done after this year. Um, that's not my that's not my decision to make. It's up to Jimmy. But um, as long as he pays the money and he participates and manages his team i'm good with it so well what's done is done now so i mean yeah it looks like he has to be stuck here this year but i'm just all for (laughs) this league is very competitive and we enjoy the draft and to have somebody who doesn't show up to the draft consecutively and never shows up when people invite him to come watch football with them and doesn't really participate in it at all um I just think that we now will have an opening for the 2020 John Doe League Fantasy Football. Which I'm sure we'll be able to fill pretty quickly. So uh, if any listeners out there want to line up for a wait list, feel free to reach out to us and we'll uh, we'll slot you in here. Uh, additionally, I'm going to be running a uh, another league. Uh, looks like we're going to do a standard half PPR league. Um, no kickers and defenses. And we're going to go ahead and have uh, three flex spots to take the, that place uh, with no, you don't have to also start a tight end. So um, we're looking at a $50 buy-in for that. If anyone's interested, uh, feel free to reach out. We're going to be setting that up over the next day or two, next 24, 48 hours uh, and sending out the invites and likely drafting some point next week. So um, with that being said, feel free to reach out about that. Thank you guys for listening this week. Uh, anything else to add here, Derek, before we hop off? No, it was great to get to do a draft recap, and I look forward to two weeks from now jumping into week one of the NFL season. All right, so signing off here for the Fantasy Football Bros. Until next next week, uh, Mark and Derek, and looking forward to the start of the NFL season. Thanks, guys.